welcome to the Dinosaur Man Nerdcast. I'm Andy Hughes. I'm here with Andy Fowler. Hey, yeah. Mark Barrett. What? And Alex Hudson. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. That's probably fine. Don't worry about that one. This week we had a choice of three films we could have watched um, and talked about. We had Zoolander 2, (laughs) Alvin and the Chipmunks 4, 5, 7. 29. But we decided we'd go for a sensible choice and we went and watched Deadpool this week. I still want to watch Alvin and the Chipmunks Road Chip. Is it the Road Chip? It's the Road Chip. Oh, God. I'd like to see a crossover between Deadpool and Alvin and the Chipmunks where Deadpool disembowels them and wears them as slippers. <laughs> Just wears their little chipmunk faces. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, so we... <laughs> okay. I don't, know, I don't know where we can go from no, there. I think we... That's topped it. Uh, so, yeah, we all went and watched Deadpool. And so, to start with, should we talk about the plot of Deadpool? Hashtag spoiler alert. Yeah, we'll, we'll do spoilers. But to start, we'll go to our resident plot teller, Mark oh, Barrett. This one's slightly complicated because it's all in the wrong order and shit. But, like, you start in the middle of a fight scene or at the start of a fight scene. And then you get a bit of fight scene. And then it cuts back to part of his origin slash love story bit. <laughs> then it goes back to that fight scene for a little while longer. And then it cuts back to, like, his origin of becoming a superhero bit well when he gets cancer and stuff and it goes back to that fight scene and you get like Colossus and stuff come in and the bad guy gets away and then it goes back to the end of his origin where like the factory that he's in the factory is the wrong word whatever superhero factory that he's in (laughs) burnt down and stuff because you know Deadpool and shit and then it goes back to the end of that fight scene that he's escaped from now by sawing his hand off and then it kind of carries on from there and he hunts down the bad guy that, that turned him into Deadpool Nailed it. Yeah, that's pretty pretty solid stuff. That's your plot of Deadpool. Strangely, that's exactly how the script was written. (laughs) (laughs) Did we enjoy Deadpool? Because the last few films we've seen, we've all disagreed with Fowler. Has basically been the key point. (laughs) Bullshit. (laughs) We have been the voice of reason. (laughs) So, Fowler, what did you think to this film? It was a good film! As much as I want to disagree with Fowler... Just, just to play up to the uh, stereotype that we all hate everything he likes. It was a good film. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> are you worried? Next. Are you going to worry? You're Next. Gonna lose? Okay. Yes. Okay. We've, we've been too Mark. mean. Oh, please say it's shit. Please say it. Please go against everything he wants. I to can't. Say. I'm not allowed to. I can't. <laughs> it. It was great. That's another. That's yeah. two. Two out of... I'd like to argue that you said good and I said great and therefore I'm disagreeing with you. (laughs) (laughs) It was a better than average film. (laughs) You know it was better than that. (laughs) Okay, so we'll get get into it. So let's let's talk about Deadpool then. So Deadpool is a character. Does anyone want to try and have a grab at what he is as a character? I feel like you should be the one to have a grab if you're the one who's the expert on Deadpool. So the comic book origins of Deadpool is he is a mercenary um, who is, he's quite a fun-loving, kind of quippy kind of guy. Party animal. Just like Van Wilder. But he's supposed to have like this heart of gold. Um, He gets cancer and then he goes and because of this he gets um, initiated into the Weapon X program, which is the same program that gives Wolverine um, his adamantium skeleton. And in this program he is given the um, healing factor. What the healing factor does is it actually um, aggressively heals and regrows the cancer cells in his body, which causes him to have the look that he has in the film, which is this kind of messed up... Um, full body scarring. Yeah, full body scarring. And what it also does is it creates um, the scarring in his brain as well, 
which then causes him to actually lose the plot a little bit, which gives him that ability to then break the fourth wall. And it's actually part of his character is he has a complete kind of mental breakdown, really. And he's able to see kind of that he is actually just a work of art. He is just a something somebody's created. He's a great tool that hasn't been done before in comics as, in, as a satirical slant to the genre that he's involved in. So he can he's constantly popping out going, look, hey, look, making fun of the situation as well as like the context that he's put in. I think, I can't say for definite, but he's one of the first to talk directly to the audience. And um, he's also, um, he's master with katanas, with guns. He's a great fighter. But then also, he as, as time goes on, he gets retconned a lot. Like that's your basic origin, but he gets his origin changes a lot. Um, he also gets things like teleportation, infinite gun bags. That's basically your Deadpool in a nutshell. Um, and I think when when looking at this film, I think they did that very well because he is such a hard character to do well. Because I said before we went into this film to you, Mark, I said the one thing I do not want to happen is I don't want Deadpool to get annoying. And mm. with this character, it's very easy to do so. Yeah. I think the entire film sort of treads that line and it stays on the right side of it for me. And But when you're watching it, you can see how... I, I've, I've read reviews where they've said, oh, the character's incessantly annoying, it's unwatchable, blah, blah, blah. And I can see where they're coming from in the sense that certain people have certain thresholds for that kind of thing. Mm. And he is an annoying character... You know, if you're exposed to him for too long, or if you've got a low threshold for that sort of thing, then yes, he would be a really annoying character. But for me, stayed on the right side of it. I didn't mind that. It's part of his charm as a character, mm. really. And I think it's it's mainly a testament to Ryan Reynolds being able to deliver it in a sort of lovable way rather than an annoying way. It's very easy. I mean, it's the kind of thing that you often find with child actors. <laughs> a lot, if you've got a kid role in a film, it's so easy to step over that boundary. I think it's right. free kid. And that boundary is lovable humour, cocky humour, or just cocky, arrogant prick. And he is, there's an arrogance to Deadpool, but there's a lovable, childish likeness to them. And like I say, with kid actors, you can get it like the old Anakin Skywalker syndrome. Is he likeable? Do you actually like him? Do you want to follow him? Or do you just think he's a dick because he's arrogant? I don't think he was in danger of being liked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, it was one or the other. And you're right. I think it's all down to the sense of humour and delivery. And I think, I was thinking about it after watching the film. I generally can't imagine anyone else but Ryan Reynolds delivering Deadpool now. Well, I can't remember who's, who said it. Um, I don't know if it was one of you or if I've read it somewhere else. Which is Ryan Reynolds has been playing Wade Wilson his entire career. Yeah, um, ever since Blade Trinity. You look at everything he has done, and he is Wade Wilson, but just to a lesser extent. They just like Wade Wilson on a leash, mm. and in this they've just gone be free, Ryan Reynolds. Just be the Ryan right Reynolds. Well, it's a bit like um, t- um, Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. You found the perfect person who is Tony Stark in real life. Yeah, you found somebody who's willing to be. But credit to him, he's taken on that character and he's they've kept incredibly loyal to it. But I think they've also had a lot... And I think this is where maybe a lot of fanboys who, if, if they're really big into the, the franchise and the property, if they had a problem with it, wasn't because of how loyal they kept, but how how much Ryan Reynolds allowed himself to put his own humour in as well. There is a lot of his style of humour and comedy in there. 
which doesn't take away from Deadpool. I don't think it detracts from that style, but he's allowed himself to invest his way of performance in there. And I think that's mainly because he's flagshipped this project so much as well. He is one of the producers as well as is involved with the development of the film as well. Like, to me personally, I have a bit of a man crush on Ryan Reynolds. He could do no <laughs> yeah. wrong by me. I thought he was perfect in it. If you don't like him for some reason at all, you're not going to like this as much as you could do. But I think he just nailed it. And it is all on that. It is all on that association with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, it is so much of him in that character. Fair dues. Oh, I thought you were waiting to make a point. You looked like you were no. eating a point up there. Just, okay, just listen. That's just his face. Yeah. Um. Okay, so pre Deadpool actually coming out, we had a lot of a, a massive media campaign hype. Um, they had the billboards. They had all these little TV spots. Do you think any of that took away from the film, or do you think that just added to what you, your expectations of the film was? Wouldn't know, mate. Didn't acknowledge it. No trailers, apart from that one where you see one bit of a scene, and they just basically, I think all the trailers just elaborated on that one Pretty much, bit of yeah. the scene, which was perfect, really, because as long as you're not showing, and they didn't do the best jokes in the trailer, which trailers so often do, they didn't do the biggest moments in the trailer. It was a few little jokes, but by no means the funniest stuff in it. And I still can't remember the line that made me laugh more than any other. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my favourite moment in the entire thing, which was there's definitely a line in there, something about a journey to hell or something, where not a single person in the audience got it, apart from you. And it was just silent, apart from next to me, I just heard you going, <laughs> it was like a band supporting another band was th- was as bad as this journey to hell would have been, and I cannot remember for the life of me who the bands were. Which just made me so happy. I'm tempted not to go a single back and rewatch person. it just to find out. And as soon as that line comes, I'm just go, right. Out. I'm done. Thank you. That's all I needed. Noting it down. But the, the marketing, the marketing for this, because I saw it all, I absorbed it all, and I didn't mind with this one because I found it refreshing because. I thought it was the most effective we've had yet. It it was the most constant. They did it in so many different ways and different forms, but they never, like you say, they never actually, like if you continue to watch all of them, they never gave anything away. Mm. And everything that they did see, and you saw lots of it over and over and over again, was the same thing, recycled. So key plot point and changes, nothing spoiled. What they did with the same footage over and over again was managed to develop your hype for the style of the film in different ways and let that, develop and that's why i thought this is probably one of the most effective marketing campaigns for a film i've seen in a very long time Mm. you got a sense of the character and the style of the film rather than the content and it's really the style of the character in the film that's going to sell it for this because it because it's so in a way satirically and anti-superhero films even though it is a superhero film and the the hero is so loved by the public and the public have allowed this film to happen because of their support that's what the whole publicity was about it was like it was like a thank you before it was even out yeah and that's why it's so effective i think that is <laughs> <laughs> you look like you've got a point uh, okay i'll go um yeah no i no, i like the I, i'm like you in the sense of i didn't actively search for too much yeah. I saw the trailers and I saw a few of the kind of posts, many pictures online and stuff. Um, the thing I liked about this, I hate all of these kind of marketing. I hate all, I hate all of them with a passion. But you're right in terms of no spoilers and stuff. The key point is the fact that the scenes that they showed in the trailer are one scene, and the vast majority of that trailer, or, or any of the trailers, as far as I'm aware, is one scene of the film, which is great because, like you say, you can't give too much away unless you're just showing the biggest reveal. But they're not. So there was that, and then there's the fact that they could, and I. 
I appreciate the fact that it's easier to do with a character like this, but mm. they were able to play on the fact that he could take the piss and the fact that it was coming out on a Valentine's weekend and they were putting up posters about it being a Valentine's film. Yeah. Like, he's a character who can take the piss out of himself and his own film and, and to do that and to be able to like, try and persuade people that it's a film from another genre. That it's, that's funny for the fans that know about it and they're obviously going to trick people to go see it, which is great. I like that sort There's of stuff. There's also the great stuff about um, how they announced the fact that it's an R-rated film was for... Ryan Reynolds to appear on is it Mario Lopez the guy from Safe yeah, yeah and he's doing this interview and then Deadpool walks in the background and hits him with a, hits him with something and gets well fuck you of course it's an R rated film mm. like even that to the yeah. point of going you know this isn't your standard kind of film and I think yeah. this comes into um, a review I saw which was something along the lines of we came and watched this film um, expecting a Marvel character this was not Marvel this was crass this was horrible we walked out it was one out of five rated, and the question from that is: Do you think the fact that this is your first R-rated comic book film benefited this film? Or do you think that it actually was a better film for? Well, yeah. to counter to counter the um, the review that you sort of was that like an it's IMDb, yeah. right? Okay, the idea of it: Oh, this was crass, this was horrible, this was not a Marvel character. Good because I'm yeah. fucking sick was it, was of them. Was it I'm sick of them. This. Uh, We'll get to this at the end anyway, and we'll discuss where it falls in the importance for me. But mm. for me, I think it was refreshing to see this, and it's something that's probably needed. And you could, you can potentially see them. Uh, you could see this extending to other characters in the universe, but you've got to just make sure you're choosing the right ones. You can't just yeah. go in willy nilly and go. Well, it worked for Deadpool, so let's put um, I don't know Jubilee from the X Men in there. <laughs> I don't know where I pulled that name out from. <laughs> You've just got to be careful about now going, right, well, Deadpool worked. Now what else will work? Don't do that. Just go, right, Deadpool worked because there's no other way you can do that film. You mm-hmm. cannot make that a PG-13. You cannot make that a PG film. You can't tone it down. And this is my big problem with the idea of any potential crossovers in the future with the X-Men stuff, is that by all means you can tone the X-Men up to meet Deadpool's mm-hmm. standards and his level of sort of crassness. That's fine. They don't need to be crass because you've seen you from the, the characters they put in this one that you don't need them to be on the same level as him, but do not bring him down to being in X-Men 5. Well, don't put him in that position. I think from what I've heard so far is the next film he might be in will either be Deadpool 2 or run about an R-rated X-Force, X-Force movie. Yeah. Right. I think that's a long burner. So the idea is they're going to do a Deadpool 2 with Cable and then work that into a team buddy movie with, I would imagine, a different offshoot of mutants that I would hope, anyway, was a small band that you get like in the comics that are an alternative to the X-Men. They're a bit more mercenary kind of... Mm. Lesser known characters names. as yeah. well. They're kind of like the Suicide Squad of the X-Men. X-Men. Mm. Yeah, I think, but, you know, it is a refreshing thing to see an R-rated movie like this in, in a time where... We've talked about this very recently with the comic book industry podcast that we did and saying, you know, there are a lot of them. And like we said, there's 32 coming out in the next three years, four years or something like that. It's too many. You've got to find a way to, You've got to, find a way to differentiate yourself. And Deadpool, there isn't anything else like it at the moment. The only thing that came, you know, in terms of the level that Deadpool's working on is Kick-Ass. And it's mm-hmm. been years since Kick-Ass. And Kick-Ass 2 was a disappointment. Deadpool has raised those stakes again and said, look, you can do that. This is what you can do. Like, don't limit yourself to doing 
right, a set piece, another set piece, another set piece, and in between just some playful banter between people where the worst thing they say is a shit occasionally. <laughs> yeah. You can do so much more and you can make a better film because of that, because this, for me, was better than a lot of the stuff I've seen. And you know why I think another point, um, just touching on what you've just said, um, another point is this... This film, this sole property, and which I think it probably should stay really, it's a sole property, encapsulates the tone of the original comic, the tone of the comic, not just the character. Whereas all these Marvel films, this cinematic universe we've got, right, are basically several different films with the complete same tone and different characters in. They all kind of just go across from each other. It's not all the time but you get the sense that they all kind of fit in the same world very neatly i think this is there's so, almost a yeah. cookie cutter type of element yeah. to a lot of those yeah. previous marvel films the, the mcu films where you go right okay so it's hero against villain with similar powers like you've discussed as well the villain problem being that every villain seems to be just the hero's powers against him but slightly weaker yeah. so the hero's going to beat him but this seemed to break away from that I think there's there are tonal shifts in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now more so than there had been. Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Winter Soldier, stuff like that would stand out as being different to say the first Captain America or um, Thor's Thor or whatever. But I think this one's the one that's got the most distinct style and tone. And I I think I said this to you, Andy. It needed to get the tone right. It didn't matter if the script wasn't as good. If it didn't get the tone right, it would be fighting an uphill battle right from the start. Yeah. And it did from those opening But that's the thing. From that first moment, you know what you're getting yourself in for. Yeah. I, I sat down, like, you had this image of the first kind of car crash, and it starts giving up the um, the titles of mm. like your directors and stuff. And I wasn't really paying attention. I was like, oh, it's just the name of the actors and stuff. Um, I was just. Kind I of, love it, that. I was within, enjoying... Before two minutes of the film, you've already shut off your attention. <laughs> I, was, I was just watching the image, and I was like, like, "I don't care who made this film. Show me film." Why isn't it moving? I've seen. I've seen too many Bond films. I'm like, I, surely this is the opening musical number. But that's the best <laughs> bit of Bond films. Sky exactly. Ball, I, mate, I, who can forget Adele's great masterpiece? But then the thing is, I started hearing people laughing. I was like, "Why are people laughing?" And then I noticed that it's yeah. because obviously it's saying mm. stuff like made by. Some douchebags or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, produced by a bunch of asshats. Like, yeah. as soon as those came on screen, you knew you were in safe hands. You knew that they were going to do it. I think that the, the, the one issue that I had with that was that it did drag on a little bit, those opening credits. Yeah. But then it was it was the opening credits start with um, starring the world's most lovable loser or God's perfect loser or something yeah. like that. A hot chick, uh, a, a, British a, a CGI sidekick, a British villain, and towards the end of the acting one, so I was just like, okay, yeah, okay, you've you've kind of hammered yeah, the yeah. point home now. But then, as soon as it starts in the production credits and saying produced by a bunch of asshats, directed by an overpaid asshole, mm-hmm. the Written writers, the, the real heroes, heroes yeah, and you just think, oh, okay, fine, you've brought me back on side. You kind of lost me in the middle there. I felt like you were maybe hammering this point home a little too much for my liking. But then taking apart. I think Fox have made a really smart move. Mm-hmm. They've made a really, really smart move with this film. In the sense that if you're the first one to... Well, you're not the first one because the internet is full of people who hated Green Lantern and hated various different things that they've done with various different projects. Yeah. But if you're the studio that's saying, hey, we've made shit superhero films or there's been shit superhero films, let's acknowledge that fact and make a good one that points that out for 90 minutes. 
Yeah. <laughs> With the only character they can as well. It's like, well, come on, let's do it. There's, yeah. If there I was think... any chance to really take the piss out of these superhero movies. Mm. I think it's a really, really clever movie. And they're not afraid Fox. to do it at all. No, I, got... it's because they know that it's a moneymaker. That's yeah. why. The thing is, they won fans over instantly as soon as you start mentioning X-Men Origins Wolverine and going, this was not a good um, adaptation of your character. Yeah. Yeah. And this is your character saying... That was not a good adaptation of the character. Yeah. Like there's the bit where and he's actually he's, having there's the a cutaway, and then he got, yeah, the action figure, and he's like, oh, and everyone's like, yeah. I was like, hey, you ought to sew my, I'm going to, you ought to sew your mouth up. And he's like, oh, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> there was a point. Was that the point in the cinema when everyone audibly clapped? Yeah. No. So that, there, there was a point where people clapped yeah, though, wasn't it? Was just don't make my suit animated. Ah, yes. No. It was when they said, yeah. you know, they've. Maybe the producers can't afford more X Men. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they went to the mansion room two over there. Yeah, I get that. At the end of films now. It happened at Deadpool. It happened at Star Wars and a few of us. Where at the end, there was like, right, Standing there's ovation. no. Yeah, there's there's no there's no end credit now. I care. It's pause, and then they start clapping. I'm like, come on, guys. What well, the was fu- there an applause at the end of Deadpool for you? Yeah, there was. I don't think we had it. Didn't that we? would be that would be tragic. Yeah, I just went, come on, guys. Oh, you are literally the victims of that whole like, movie's joke. If they're standing up at the end and clapping. Um, but but no, I think uh, it shows how it, well, uh, how how much, not just us, but everyone else thought, oh, this is a relief. This is good. Like Clearly yours this. was more full of fanboys. Yeah, people were dressed up. Really? We yeah. didn't have that at all. In well, that, this is what we? you get when you pay for 2D IMAX. <laughs> it sounds rubbish, yeah, it was doesn't awful. it? When you say no, 2D fair, IMAX. If you no. say 3D, it sounds better, but even though 3D is awful... It sounds better, but it's, it's usually 2D IMAX. It's right solidified my theory, though, that 2D IMAX is now the best way to watch any film, apart from with a beer. Like, <laughs> but, uh, at home, you can, you can in my pyjamas, slash naked. That's the best way to watch a film. True that. But um, 2D, 2D IMAX... 2D IMAX is the, way, is the future. Yeah, because I don't, I'm not a big fan of 3D, because even, no even, even 3D IMAX, they say it's IMAX, it's not IMAX, because it takes me 20 minutes for my eyes to adjust. Yeah. So that can't be high quality. Okay. So IMAX, and the, it showed in this one, we had a huge screen, it was curved, it was very, very, very high detail, and actually, I've never, I've never fully, like, I'm not talking like films like Avatar or Star Wars, where the effects have been grandiose and beautiful mm. or whatever... I've never appreciated how good a film looks apart Until from that now. screening. When wow. it's uh, and it's it's not known it's not a film known for its effects, is it? I mean, it's good, but I I didn't sit there and go, "Oh, that's beautiful." The quality was fantastic. We're talking about effects. This is the cheapest Fox movie um, they've made. Yeah, it's like fifty-eight million they pay and they made this for in comparison to the rest of them. So, did you think the effects held up in comparison to the rest of the X Men films? I think. Uh... 58 million, yeah? I think it was 58 million it was made which for. Is, really? Which is a huge amount of money, but obviously in the in the film industry... Well, especially soon as Batman comic, Superman's 250. Yeah, with comic book movies, it's a completely different ballgame. But I think this film didn't need a big budget because the, the effects were not necessary. To, they weren't necessary to yeah. be huge or anything like that, which is what I enjoyed about the film, that it did sort of scale everything down and didn't rely on those effects. The effects yeah. that they did were fine. Like... Some no of them are still quite impressive. Like I like the car, the whole car sequence. I thought it was really mm. good, simple but effective. And like it was the end battle where they're on that big ship. Is it? I don't know if somebody pointed oh, out. Yeah, I think yeah. it was Mr. Sunday Movies pointed out, but it looks a lot like a Marvel helicopter. Yeah, I thought that. Well, I'm oh, watching I it. Thought that. Oh, did it? Yeah. I wouldn't know. I don't pay attention to Marvel <laughs> helicarriers. Is that the thing that Nick Fury lives in? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
That's his art. Why is yeah. everyone laughing? Is that not right? Could, no, that is exactly right, but it just <laughs> reminds me of his Deus Ex moment as well. <laughs> Does he have one? Yeah, he no. turns up in a helicopter just completely out of nowhere. So, I've got one of these now. In Age of Ultron. I've watched that one recently. I should remember that. No, oh! He does! Yes, he's okay, yes, he's like not there for the entire film and then he's like, you suck bitches. We, we, we don't exist anymore in S.H.I.E.L.D. but I have a helicarrier. We run out of Hulk yeah, moments to like, in. I shall have If you quit somewhere. your job, like, <laughs> you're very lucky to get away with like a pencil uh, area. A pencil area? Yeah. A stationary type. I will take the area for this pencil. Like, it's very difficult to take anything from your job if you've quit. But if you've quit through faking your own death, <laughs> yeah, but and you then pe- you're like, oh, by the way, I've smuggled out a fucking helicarrier. But how many pencil sharpeners do you know that can turn invisible? Oh, can they turn invisible? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, no. Fair enough then. Right. You would think though, the first day that went missing, someone went. I'm pretty sure there was a ship here at one point. Uh, well, well, I keep walking into something. I don't know what it is. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just get someone in there to lie and just say, I "Keep bumping my head on this bloody invisible helicopter." Oh, guys, like, honestly, oh, this wide big... berth, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So wide that maybe leave enough space for two helicarriers. Maybe just don't come in this room. <laughs> Let's put a wet paint sign up on this door. What are you doing? <laughs> that, that, that hangar looks a bit empty. Oh, it's not. No, to <laughs> the brim. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. They're stacked in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I did think the effect, like the effects. I think it benefited from the fact that the look. My biggest issue with Marvel films at the moment, particularly Age of Ultron, which I found almost unwatchable, was that forty-five minute or however long I've decided it is this time uh, battle at the end, <laughs> the big set piece at the end in Latveria or wherever it was. Have I just made up another? No, they, 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 is it in Latveria? Oh no, it's not in Latveria. That's Doctor it, Doom, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, Sokovia. Sokovia. Okay, so that big scene in that town takes whatever amount of time it takes. It could be anywhere from thirty to fifty minutes. Two hundred and five. It depends which podcast you've listened to and how angry I am about the film. <laughs> <laughs> now that that lasts for however long it lasts, and it it just has to keep this is my problem with it and I, you know it very well that it has to feel it feels like it has to keep building and building and building so eventually yes you have to lift up a whole town and all that and yes there's the meteor thing that wiped out the dinosaurs and blah 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 and we need to start the world again okay i get your point <laughs> it's just too fucking big like don't do it that big go smaller like have two fight scenes in the film like this film has but just keep going back and forth to those fight scenes it doesn't sound like it's too much of a big thing. You go, oh, there's only got two fight scenes in it. And they're done well. And they're low-key fight scenes in the sense that you've got the big crash, and then you've got a lot of shooting that goes on. And it's done well. It's a really stylized shootout. It almost feels that kind of Edgar Wright-ish kind of feel to it, where you you could easily say, he would be the other director that you'd be like, yep, he would be a shoo-in for this one. I've said that for a long time. And it would really work with him because it does almost feel like some kind of uh, superhero Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, it feels like it's like a, a an X Men version of a Scott Pilgrim type yeah. thing. But then the second battle is only fifteen minutes or something like that, and it's got enough peaks and troughs in it to make you feel like it's not just on one note going bang, 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 explosion, explosions. Fifty eight million, you're able to do it like yeah. that. You have to just be clever about how you spend those your scenes. budget. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah. they they really got the the mix of action and talking and look. I think it's a really difficult thing to do is to make a superhero film where you've got, ultimately, the heart of it, a very serious strand. The cancer Mm. stuff is handled really well. I think that relationship between him and his girlfriend, what's her name? Vanessa. Vanessa, there we go. 
they they get that bang right. I think they really do justice to that storyline. And this is someone who doesn't know the comics. I don't know if she exists in the comics or not. Don't know. Clearly. I've, I've read Clearly one, none of us know enough I've read about one Deadpool comic are. and it annoyed me. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but I think they handle the cancer storyline pretty well. It's It's so easy when you're doing a comedy film, which ultimately this is... It's easy to be flippant about it and yeah. dismiss that kind of thing, but I think they really got the balance really, really right with this. I was, I was blown away with how well made this film was, and for a, for a film that's competing with the budget of a quarter of what X Men gets or a mm. fifth of what Batman vs Superman gets, they they did it right, and they. Well, it's tripled its it's tripled its budget already. It's, yeah. it's a huge smash. It's the, going to be a massive. The worry, smash. in a way, is if they did a sequel, which I'm sure they well they already are they're working on it, is if they throw loads of money at it now, it's a success. Will it lose that authenticity and that heart? Because it is a film that's hilarious and incredibly silly and incredibly deliberately stupid, but also with a lot of heart. Mm. And they used their resources well to, and they they weren't distracted by effects they could use. They kept it simple and they did that. Like say, they told a simple story very well what now it can probably afford a sequel to have twice three four times the budget what, what will they do i th- i personally think because they know what they've done well already they'll stick to that but hopefully a bigger budget won't take away from the effect mm-hmm. I, do you I know think, what i mean yeah and i think the, it is a worry it is a concern to go if you throw too much money at something you can eventually just do that whole trying to buy a film out rather than actually creating a good one and focusing on what you can do with less yeah um but the fact that they already know certain things that they want to do straight away in the second film, by the sounds of things, it's already, if not in writing process or written, you know, they're they're far on those lines. Meaning that there's there's probably more of a plan to it. I'd like to think that regardless of how successful this film is, they'd already set a budget for it or gone. This is roughly what we're hoping to spend. Mm-hmm. They've got more of an idea about it, which is a positive sign for that. You think they can stick to that and go? What's work. reassuring is they've had eleven years and they were more than fully aware what they did right going into it. Because of the build-up, yeah. So in a way, like they're not like a people. They're not a. They're not a production company that somehow stumbled across an instant classic without realizing what was good about it and trying to exploit what the fans liked to keep them happy and then ruining the authentic cult element to it that people liked in the first place. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, which is the danger of a lot of them. A lot of production companies actually are so out of touch with their fan base they don't realize what they've done right, so they appease to them with the things they think they've done right. Whereas this. They know from the off they've nailed it in the right way. Yeah. So hopefully they stick to those core values. And like one of the things with this is Marvel, they said, kept their nose completely out of it till the very end and they had to censor down some in-jokes because apparently mm. there's a lot of references to high-up Marvel production management. Like a lot of names were said in the film. Mm. Um, general, just all kinds of oh, names. Like uh, they were taking the piss. And Marvel... Because Marvel... I don't know how it works, but Fox obviously own it all, but Marvel has some interjection as well. Yeah, well, they but, can, they have to be able to say who they can and can't use because yeah. then Marvel still own most of the characters. Yeah, but there was interjection in terms of actually, I mean, like actual Fox and particularly Fox production names, like directors and producers being named in the film as a piss take, and they actually actually you have to take them out <laughs> uh, because that's too far. So they were was that, but apart from that, right? Ryan Reynolds went on record saying actually they left us alone, and I think that was the best thing for the film. Well, I think there's a great piece by James Gunn, uh, the director of Guardians, um, from today, where basically he talks about there's there's an article that basically said it was something along the lines of 
what major Hollywood films can learn from Deadpool. And it was talking about how um, more films can be like Deadpool. And James Gunn's basically come out and said, films don't need to be like Deadpool per se, but what they need to do is know and believe in themselves. And he's worried that films are going to take the wrong things from this movie. Mm. He thinks for, um, people are going to go, much like he said, people did with Guardians. He said, uh, you had Guardians, and then all of a sudden you've got hundreds of trailers which are um, kind of like flashy, colourful images with pop songs behind them. He said you got a lot of that at studios going, oh, if it worked for Guardians, it works for us. And he said he's scared that people are going to go, oh, we need more four, four breaks in films. We need more R-rated superhero films. He said, no, what you need to do is actually believe in your source material and know what you're doing. Like, does that concern you yeah. at all that the fact that the studios might go down these routes where they I just think, assume... I think whenever you've got a successful film that does things slightly differently, there's always going to be that element of, well, let's follow suit, because while it's still hot, let's really get on that bandwagon. And it's happened for years, it's happened for decades, Like, there's nothing new there. And I think, that, yes, there's going to be that issue. I'm... I personally am concerned about a sequel. I know that I shouldn't be, but I always am concerned about sequels <laughs> because I don't think that they ever do for me what the original did for me. But if they've got the right team on board, then that's fine. I think you've got the issue now of going, right, so Deadpool did things uh, something too. I was trying not to interrupt your speech, but that's a blade and that's a two. Blade two, right. Okay, sorry. Yeah, okay, yeah. To point out you're wrong. Okay, so... <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, apart from the sequel issue, which is always a concern, apart from Blade 2, where they got it spot on. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Except for the CGI bit, that's terrible. Okay. That's right near the beginning of the film. Apart oh, from sorry. Blade 2, where they got it mostly right, but apart from some caveats, discuss them with Barrett, though. <laughs> Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. I'm working with these these jokers. But I don't think I don't think with this film the studios are going to go massively overboard with it. I don't think they're going to really push for oh let's make everything R rated or let's like try and poke fun at everything all the time because I don't think it will work in most cases. You have to make sure that it works for the film. And I think, look, the problem is whenever you've got studios involved in making creative decisions, they tend to, if it's the suits making those decisions, that's when you get things like Wolverine Origins or whatever mm. it was called. That's when you get problems like that where you don't fully understand. If you've got people like James Gunn involved, where he clearly knew what he was doing with Guardians and with his previous projects had also done what he wanted to do, that's the way to do it, is to get someone on board. And it's kind of that thing of like Josh Trank saying, you know, a year ago there was a cut of Fantastic Four you would have loved and it was a much better film, but the studio will never let you see it because they wanted to add in their own stuff. Fine. Is this now what Fantastic Four could have been? Is this an original comic if book Fox film? With Fox a, yeah, yeah. If, yeah, if Fox hadn't have got involved. Is this an example of Fox doing something right for once? Is this an example of Fox going, we've got a property here that actually hasn't really been done we've done the character badly once but as a property and it's on its own we haven't done it we haven't fucked around with it too much we can sort of start it off on a good foot again ignore the fact that he's in 15 minutes of wolverine (laughs) you know everyone's blanked out that movie anyway as far as i'm aware yeah and and does this bode well for gambit 
Because in a way, I hope actually, it sounds silly, due to the success of this and the revelations we've had of this, I hope in a way it doesn't affect Gambit at all. Because okay. I would, the, like say, my fear would be that they go, oh, let's try and make Gambit like Deadpool. That would be completely wrong for the character. They have, they have to make sure, like I said last time, they have to make sure they know what they're doing with yeah. that character. And this this goes back to the James Goodfinger of as long as you... And goes back to it. our conversation back in the end of last year, which is if you're a director of one of these big Hollywood films, you need to know what you're doing with that character. And if you if you go into a project going, I know that this is what this Deadpool is, for example, this is what I'm going to do with it, I'm going to be true to that character... You come out with a film like this. Yeah. If you go into a film, you go, "This is what I think I want to do with the Fantastic Four, but the studio then go, "Actually, no, I'd rather you do this," and it gets messed up. That's when you end up with. That. And I think this is the perfect example that proves the point that if you allow a director to have that bit of freedom, you. Probably... I think it's 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 a really good point, and actually, it emphasizes the idea of if you're doing superhero films like these now, and you are clearly because you've got so many of them. If you're going to do superhero films, if you've got a franchise of one character, isn't it best to keep the direction and the writing team as close to the original, you know, try and get the writers and directors back for the future film to make sure that it fits in with what you've set them up with? The problem that I have with Thor is that they are both very different films and I don't think either of them work. The third one I think is going to be different again because it's the guy who did. what we're we doing in the shadows. shadows. Yeah, and then you look at Iron Man. As soon as Favreau goes off board, you get Iron Man 3. A lot of people don't like Iron Man 2 for a lot of reasons. I think it's fine. But you, you just look at those things and you go, if you've got a character like Deadpool where you've got a lot of fan love behind it, you've really got to make sure you're keeping the direction and you're keeping the writing team and you're making sure that you're still kind of building that universe that you're setting up in that first one. Because actually... When you think about Deadpool as a film, not a huge amount happens. The, no. the origin story is very self-contained. It's the way they tell it, splitting it up into those parts that really works for me. In that, Like I say, it's not one pace. It's not one track. It's not just boom, 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 boom. Explosions, explosions. It's, right, you've got some car chase. You've got an explosion. Now you've got some people being shot. And now you're going to get some emotional backstory. You're going to find out a bit about the character. Cool. And then you're going to go back in and have a bit more of a fight. And then you're going to go back... It, it worked really well because it wasn't afraid of stopping and just going, and now we're going to drag you back down to this mm-hmm. level, this speed for now. And then we're going to build you right back up. And I think, you know, Marvel could probably learn from that because so many of their films now feel like they have to just sort of go, well, a horrible event has happened and then that sets in line all of these other events. And then it's going to end with this big event. But on the way to that event, there's going to be three more events, all of increasing danger (laughs) and explosion level. Yeah. And for me, that's why I can't get excited for Age of Ultron 3 or whatever it's called, Infinity Wars (laughs) or Civil War so much. You know, you look at it and you go... That's the actual title, Civil War so much. (laughs) Is this going to be... Half an hour of setup and then an hour and a half of explosions. And if it is, that is the worry for me. It's I'll have to go and well. see it. It's tiring. Well, this is it. I just don't have the energy to sit through <laughs> 45 minutes of Spot Veria or whatever it's called. Obviously, we talked about our thoughts and feelings about how their future films could go from Deadpool and our initial input. I want to talk about like the nitty gritties and aspects of the film. Like, did we feel like there are any really weak characters or like. 
Because I have this theory. I, I really like the villain, actually. But, Andy, you want to say something about the characters? I was going to say, um, there's one character I think was very underdeveloped, I which agree. was the villain. Was it the female villain? No, or Ajax? Ajax. I really I, liked Ajax. I think Ajax, from the beginning they say, yes, he's a British villain, but you don't really understand anything about him. Why is he there? Yeah, why Why is he doing what he's mm. doing? What is he... Also, there's this whole thing of he doesn't feel pain or show pain, mm. but then he kind of does. He does, yeah. That's um, so there's kind of inconsistencies in his character. His power set is ridiculous. And, and he wants to bring this up. It's and reflexes, he's, isn't it? Yeah, so oh, he's want to be Nicholas Holt. And I can't get past that point as well. Why would anyone want to be Nicholas Holt? Exactly. Nicholas Holt is terrible. <laughs> he's, he's getting he's better. Right. I, I, I used to hate Nicholas Holt. He's, he's getting better. He I was great right. about a boy. And did you see A Single Man? That's a very good film. When your best work is with Hugh Grant, <laughs> it's very easy for you to look good. Tell that to Julia Roberts. <laughs> I still maintain that Notting Hill is better than you think it is. Yes, it is. That's correct. It's, so it's can... still terrible. I don't know where I was. Uh, you were about, about to say that set. his power set is too big. No, his power. No, too, right, yeah, right. His, pa- his power set. His power set is dead confusing because he claims mm. it to be reactions and the inability to feel pain, mm. or largely the, the kick-ass theory of "I have no nerve endings," or whatever, yeah, yeah, which is yeah. pretty much exactly how they describe it, actually. Um, but reactions would be like his ability to like dodge, block, or parry stuff. We yeah, see that a human, lot. We see that in human a, strength. We see that with melee though in, with Deadpool. Like we do see that he outspeeds Deadpool's fight. But there is that scene where he lifts that guy up by the neck, and yeah. you think he does a he does a Vader. Yeah, and yeah. you think is this one of your powers? Because that's before yeah. you hear about his power set, and you're like, yeah. oh, okay, he's got super strength. Apparently not. So the, the apparently that from... guy just weighs nothing, filled with helium. <laughs> the problem <laughs> for me is that he mentions two key ones, and then the rest is left quite vague. It is vague. Yeah, because yeah, as far as I'm aware, Ajax does have um, super strength. Okay. That is something that he, ha- he well, has. Yeah. But well, mention never, it then. But it's yeah. never mentioned in the film. Yeah, yeah it just seems weird that he's, he's going to tell us what his powers are, but only tell us what half of his powers are. And not in a way to go, I'm going to trick the hero. I, in a way that I might have forgotten. Yeah, I got the impression. Right in. I got the impression that because he was in the labs, I could be completely wrong, because he was in the labs working with it, he had a bit of a few things that we weren't aware of. or were, well, that he dipped into some guy. No, yeah, he just went, I'll have a bit of that. But yeah. you know, because he was surrounded by all these different mutants at different stages, I felt like maybe he, had, he well, was he aware was, of how to. He was know. a. Um, what's the word? Patient. At one mm. point, he says yeah. he was. He started out as a patient. He got abilities, and then he became basically the leader of the program. Um, so basically, it's whatever his bo- the mutagen unlocked in him. That's what he has. Yeah, much like uh, Deadpool. Mm. Because Deadpool, it's really strange about whether or not he does have super strength. It's even in the comics, it's not decided whether he does have super strength or not. Right. Um, so it's just as confusing when it gets to film and you're like I don't know whether he is stronger yeah, or maybe true. it is just two men just punching each other yeah. in a normal thing and you just assume one of them stronger yeah. Yeah. maybe yeah. like you said maybe that guy just has a really light frame yeah, yeah. I'm interested Hollow bones do you, did you understand what um, I can't remember what her name is almost Ajax certainly is not assistant. do you know what her powers were uh, she was just broad strength. as fuck no no do, do you know she was just because I can't remember if in the film they actually mention no. how her powers work no they don't she was strong that was she it. did say I'm pretty sure they did say she's got super strength yeah. yeah but do you know how that how she gets her strength no her punching did he ever mention in the film that her powers are through adrenaline no no um, because so that's you, you that's basically to, her like hit her 
or get her excited. Like get her excited for a battle. I don't know. She has to get really pumped. Like she listens to Foster what... the People pumped up kicks before she uh, before I, she has to. Punch I can't remember someone. what her name what her name is. Angel. I Angel thought does. she was the most underdeveloped. Uh, well, just called, they just called her Angel in this. They, well, and yeah. that got confusing because I thought there was another X-Men called Angel. There is. I know comics! <laughs> but I felt she was the most underdeveloped, actually. Well, her... I didn't think that they needed to develop her. because she's no. yeah, she's because a I, I was yeah. just thinking, she's a throwaway henchman. And then apparently she's got a really good playlist that she listens to. <laughs> she goes into battle. But yeah, her power is... Um... Because otherwise you've just got super strength versus super strength, which basically which is, is, what, is what, what you have. have. But you've got to have some kind of a little bit of variation. While Colossus is made of metal, <laughs> she her power is. Um, she, but I couldn't remember whether or not they actually ever mentioned it in the film. No, I don't think, I don't so. think they do because otherwise that would make less sense. Because I don't think the initial bits where she shows her strength in Weapon X program or Project X or whatever it's called Terminator yeah, X, no, that's, X. Uh, from Public Enemy. Um, <laughs> In that bit, I don't think there's ever a point where I'm just like, oh, okay. Clearly, there's some adrenaline going. Like, yeah. it wouldn't have made any sense there. Hmm. But then, would it have made sense in the battle? I, know, I don't think it would. It doesn't need to be in there. Is she, she dead? Did she die in the film? No, Colossus pulls her out. Uh, yeah, because they walk away with her over the shoulder or whatever. Yeah. 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 Did we like New That's Colossus? I loved New Colossus. I really liked I New Colossus. I think he's great. I preferred New Colossus. Yeah. I'm, I'm good that he didn't carry any giant TVs to show his strength. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was a much improved Colossus. It looked the same, didn't he? It's just a different voice and an attitude. I think the thing is, you need to have that counterpoint. With Deadpool, with him being so incessant, you need to have someone who isn't a smart ass, who isn't being funny all the time, who is the sort of straight man. And, you know, whether or not he's going to be in the next film as well, whatever. But you need to have someone who tones down who gives the other side of that the you can't have someone always ground, being a smart it? Alec going oh well I'm just going to make a joke now you've got to have someone who's just a bit like uh, Rax the Destroyer in Guardians Rax I'm so close to getting comics right <laughs> <laughs> a bit like uh, marks for wait, hang on let's go silent so it looks like no 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 no, no 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 that's not getting caught um, so a bit like Dave Batista in <laughs> A bit like the wrestler in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, in that you've got to have someone who doesn't necessarily get the joke all the time, or who is trying to be more of a serious underpinning, yeah. so that you're not just like, oh, this is airy, fairy, light and breezy. It's not. It's quite a serious matter that we're in, and you should probably focus up. See, I, I actually disagree with you on that on Colossus, on the basis that even if he does do that job to a certain extent, he's not in the film long enough to do it as Deadpool's counterpart. Plus... If he's going to be the character to do that, it means he's going to have to appear in all of them because you do need. I I actually think that. Well, you need a role like that. You need, least. yeah, you need, so, yeah, you need someone to be that, and I don't think that Colossus was that. Also, on the basis that he's kind of an unrealistic personality. Don't get me wrong, I liked him, but he's so far the other way. Yeah, I liked that. No, I know, I liked that, but because of that, he didn't perform that role for me. He doesn't ground mm. Deadpool for me because, mm. like, again, I kind of disagree with you on Drax and the basis that he's so far the other way that he says things that are funny. So he's not grounding anyone. But he's being Colossus ended up doing that in the film as well. I think that's kind of my point. I think. I think. But I think that. Uh, well, I just think it's two different types of doing oh, the yeah. funny I stuff. I think it's two different types, but I don't think it's grounding for Deadpool. Okay. If that makes sense. I think it sets him outside of a reality, which, as we discussed as we came out of the film, isn't necessarily a problem because Deadpool kind of has his own world and is his own character, so they don't have to be realistic. And I mm. like the fact they're not realistic. 
but I don't think there is a grounding point for him. And I'm not sure whether or not he needs one or whether or not it's... It's something I've discussed with myself a bit. I, maybe he could benefit, but... I think he does. And I think you'll get one because that's that's the importance of Probably bringing Cable into this universe. Yeah. Cable is your yin to yang with Deadpool. Like The Cable and Deadpool series is quite a famous one because Cable is this serious military man who has come from the future and it's just like, this is what we need to do. Well, Deadpool will be playing on his Game Boy Advance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's he's yeah. that kind of man. He's there like, Deadpool, this is what you're doing right now. But, but to reflect on Colossus's role, I'm glad he was so super soft. Oh, yeah. Because, in a way, it makes you like Deadpool more to side with the more narcissistic person than side with the good guy because the good guy is such a soppy bastard because actually he's not just good and moral he's not like Captain America Colossus he's soppy almost <laughs> and I think by yeah, making yeah. him soppy you're making Deadpool cooler so yeah. you, you're keeping on side with Deadpool not going oh you're a bad guy yeah, yeah. but you know what I mean I see where you're coming from yeah yeah was there we, so we like them all though generally apart from feeling I think, like I think the characters were done and you get the right people yeah. yeah, everyone suited their part well. I just found that Ajax was probably the least developed of them all. But I didn't mind that because I went to watch Deadpool. Yeah. Deadpool got... was what I wanted to see. And no matter what happened, like there was... Even though he's underdeveloped, you still think he's a very good villain, though. I felt like he did the character He was a Marvel justice. villain. He was a villain that wasn't developed. I, still, and eventually... I think he was better than some Marvel villains, though. He was less of a threat because he was less powerful. But I felt like I got some of his personality across more than I did with others. Like, I got his sadistic nature across more. I, I enjoyed that. I felt like there was more meat to him in that sense. Even though I didn't get his backstory, I felt like his current situation, I got more meat to that than I had with others. Well, he's, be- he's better than Evil Keith from 4 2. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but everyone is. <laughs> you know, but compared to the rest of them, you know, he's, he's just. He's interchangeable. Your... Yeah, he's, he's basically on par with um, Yellow Jacket. In which yeah, you go, he's evil. You can see that he's got some some character traits, but there's not much. He's no nowhere near, say, like Kingpin and Loki and people like that. Yeah, they, they did the frustrating thing really as well of going. It's a largely similar power set to your hero because even though he can't regenerate, he can't feel pain, so it doesn't set him back. Much yeah. like Deadpool mm. can regenerate, does feel pain, but doesn't really set him back. Yeah, they're both maybe super strong, maybe not. They're both hand to hand combat specialists. Yeah, you know, when he pulled out two axes and Deadpool's got two swords, I was like, "This is fucking set." Like, you know what I mean? This is, like, <laughs> yeah. come on, man, come on. Like, but, and that, it's that's still frustrating. But again, because it's an origin film and because it's someone we've not seen properly before, you kind of accept it. I just want them to go a little bit more adventurous. I like Stanley's cameo in this one. Dirty old man again. Yeah, why not? Is he a dirty old man in many others? In Guardians, all of them. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't wash. Uh... <laughs> and he's an old man, though. Yeah. He's rounded that up really well. Okay, to start, <laughs> to start wrapping it up then. Um, so what did you think of the film as a whole? Were you happy with it? Did you think it did everything you expected it to do or more? Um, I would say going into this film, I was genuinely terrified on the basis that it's. I think it's a ridiculously difficult property to do. Like you were saying, because of the reasons you can get irritated but also, like you were saying, in terms of being able to balance an origin story with your action scenes, with your romance story, which was in there. And sometimes some of that did feel a little rushed, I think, to a certain extent. Some of those bits, like the romance thing did work, and you're right, those characters work, but it did feel like they were 
right, they've met, and now ten minutes within the film, they're now married. <laughs> yeah. They like, don't have enough time to do the thing. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's kind of the same thing with the villain. Kind of, you don't get as much development on him. But by and large, because they had so much to do in a short space of time with apparently a much smaller budget, they've done a really, really good job of it. And to come out of a Deadpool film in with that kind of reaction, relief is the correct word. It was a really, really good film. I think going in, like I had the same apprehension in a sense, but I also, in a different way, because I went in convinced that it was proper good, and we had this over all over again with Star Wars. And even though, even though I liked it a lot, and I still say this about Star Wars, I still really, really, really liked it. I can come back and go. Well, there was definitely problems. This Deadpool is don't get me wrong. It's not the perfect film in the world. It's not like incredibly. Uh, it's not a masterpiece, but it did its job, and it did its job to a really high level. And there weren't obvious things where I went away going, oh, "I wish that was different." Yeah. I, yeah. I I loved the humour, and I think that is down to taste and how much you like Ryan Reynolds or not, because you, it's all on him because it's such a, a hidden focus film. I really like him. I thought they did the humour well. I really like the tone of the whole film and I was excited because it lived up to the hype that the trailer gave it because the trailer gave us a slice of that humour but didn't ruin anything. And I went in with loads of surprises. And that's why I like... So, so, so silly things like the most memorable bit for me is Baby Hand. <laughs> my favourite bit in the whole film is Baby Hand. And he also likes silly things like the, 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 the character that he lives with, the old lady. Yeah. That's a brilliant relationship. I love that relationship. It's so odd. But yeah. I loved it. I, I did love it. I want to watch it again and again and again. I don't think it'll get boring. It is like Guardians in the effect. It's refreshing. And this is relieving as well. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just glad they did it how they did it. Yeah, good point. I think I went into the film basically... I think I remember saying before the film to you, Mark, that I just don't want it to be terrible. Yeah. And it, I came out and it, it did everything I needed to do. All it needed to do was just do justice to that character. Uh, because I think... I like the idea of Deadpool more than what I've read of him, if that makes sense. Yeah. I like the fact of what he does um, as a hero. You know, he is something completely different and he is refreshing. I wanted that to come across. I wanted this to be a film that I watched and came out and went, actually, that's completely different to anything I've seen before. That is new and it's not annoying me either. Um, And that's what it did. And I think if you can do that and you do it well enough, then it's got to work. And I think I really enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I thought the action held up, and I think once again, Ryan Reynolds did it. Ryan Reynolds is perfect for that role. Mm. Um, I went in with genuinely no expectations, which I think is the best way to do it with comic book films these days. <laughs> I'll be I'll be less angry at some of them, but I think it you know it really succeeded where I think a lot of other films, particularly comic book films, have failed for me. I think you know I, we talked recently. I think in the history of the podcast, let me think. Yeah, recently about Ant Man, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, um, and I enjoyed Ant Man a lot. I thought it was a really good film. I thought it was funny. I think it was different enough for me from the rest of the Marvel stuff to sort of stand out. Compared to this, Ant Man looks like just another MCU film and actually looks quite poor compared to Deadpool for me. I don't think. It's anywhere near as funny as Deadpool is. And I don't think it's anywhere near as well made a film as Deadpool is. I think Deadpool, for me, is a standout in terms of the comic book genre. Because it's more of a comedy than anything else. That's the biggest thing it has going for it for me. And like we discussed recently, the comedy stuff's been pretty dry 
of recent times. Yeah. You know, you've had a few in the last few years that have been okay, but you've never... It's been, it's it's been a long time since oh, you've you had... Oh, you wait that DC universe comes in. That's going to be a barrel of laughs. <laughs> but it's been so long since you've had... Since you've had real proper... Properly good comedies. You know, you get one or two, but very few. And I think that's the biggest thing it has going for it for me, is that the comedy's done in a way that doesn't become annoying for me. My one worry now would be if they did do a sequel and it went off the rail somehow. But as a film, Deadpool is the best comic book movie of recent times for me. I think Guardians is up there. We've already discussed this. Guardians for me was a really, again, it was a breath of fresh air. But apart from those two, it's the best since Dread, possibly, for me. Ooh. Always get a mention of Dread in there. Dread is the yardstick by which everything is measured. (laughs) You should know this. That's the reason we have it framed on the wall here. (laughs) Just in its case. We we bought two copies. One for the wall, one for the bookcase. (laughs) It sits amongst Shakespeare and Dickens because it's that well written. Alex Garland cannot be touched. Brilliant. So, go long story short, Whiplash... Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm hoping people have listened. New listeners, previously. new listeners, mate. <laughs> is it a whiplash? Is it a pixels? Best or worst? Whiplash. It's whiplash. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, new listeners. Andy's disrespecting you. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So yeah, that's what we thought about Deadpool. Um, let us know whether you disagree with any of us. Maybe you thought that Ajax is the best Marvel. You are wrong. <laughs> you are wrong. Maybe you think Dread is the worst of all comic book films. Again. Uh, I beg your actual pudding. <laughs> <laughs> why, don't, why not let us know? We're on Facebook at Dinosaur Man Nerdcast and we're on Twitter at Dinosaur Man 15. Um, thank you as ever for Johnny Knees for the theme song. As if he listens. <laughs> uh, thank you as ever for to Alex. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. It's all right. Thank you, Andy. It's all right. Thank you for joining us and join us next time. Bye! Die! Die!